Welcome to Smashing the Plateau. We help you get unstuck so you can do what you love and get paid what you're worth. Consistently, I'm your host, David Schreiner-Khan. If you were to look back, how did you turn whatever adversity into an advantage and find that vantage point and then follow through on it that's going to be something you can reflect on and feel good about? Today on episode 553 of Smashing the Plateau, I'm here with Matt Zinman. I'm going to ask Matt how to navigate transitions and multiply your impact when pursuing new opportunities and much more. You can find out more about Matt along with all of our previous episodes at smashingtheplateau.com. Are you building your own business after a long career as an employed professional? Listen to our show Going Solo, also found on our website, smashingtheplateau.com. Now let's welcome Matt Zinman. Matt is a difference maker devoted to personally enriching the lives of at least 100 million people by 2025. His new book, Zism's Insights to Live By, is based on his experiences as an entrepreneur, athlete, single parent, caregiver, and nonprofit founder. Matt, welcome to the show. Hey, David. Thanks for having me. It's great to be with you. Great to have you on. So on Smashing the Plateau, we talk a lot about navigating transitions. What are some of the transitions that you've had to navigate? Wow, well, I'm in my early 50s now, so I could just go by the decade, if you'd like. No, I mean, I actually started my entrepreneurial journey in 2002, and that was a major transition. I became a single dad at the same time, so I needed that flexibility. So that was that was a major intersection point for me. I think that what also helped is that I was able to get an anchor client for what then was a marketing communication firm. And then another transition into my essentially second career, which I'm still involved in, was getting into the world of internships and developing various kinds of resources for you know a company of one up to the largest company to help them put an effective internship program into place. And then more recently, as you mentioned, I published the book Zisms and with covid it really also kind of sidelined the nonprofit the internship institute because a lot of internships aren't happening so I'm very much on that trajectory around the book and uh, I also have a podcast insights to live by what do you think has been most helpful to you when you have been trying to get through a transition i try not to do everything myself <laughs> in a couple of ways one is reaching out. It's it's easy to isolate. And I have a number of mentors and who I, you know, rely on. And of course I try and do that for other people. And just recognizing, you know, what I know, what I don't know, and what I think I know I know, which is just about as equivalent as what I don't know, and to really fill those gaps. And then the other from a from a resource standpoint is I've managed you know, two, 300 interns in my career. And they've always been a big part of what I've done entrepreneurially as well. Why, why interns? I always get that question. You know, I started out as an intern doing for myself and the last one led to my first job. So I always had a great foundation for the value of that work experience. And then with that passion, I, you know, continued to run programs for my employers through the early part of my career. And then as I mentioned, when I went out on my own and ramping up my marketing firm, I created a virtual internship program, which was the kind of company it was back then, and have done that ever since. So basically for anyone out there who is 
interested in at least exploring that because it's easy as an entrepreneur to think, well, I just don't have the time to do that and so on and so forth, is to really step back and take inventory of the projects that you have or the things that you want to get off of a back burner that you just sim- simply can't do, whether that's social media and content development is, is a major one, and whether it's worth it to trade your time to have interns come in and, and do that instead. And I've always found that to be of great value. Yeah, the other thing I've seen with new entrepreneurs is great reluctance to hire anybody and thinking they have to do everything themselves. Right. Because their income is usually quite limited at the beginning, especially if you're starting a consulting or a coaching business where you're not you're not going to put much capital into it. You're really trying to get clients as quickly as possible. It's a basically a low overhead business, low overhead, high profitability other than your time as the consultant or coach. But I've seen a lot of reluctance to hire anybody, including interns. Right. I, you know, again, it has to be has to be right. You know, if you're in a professional services business and you're billing by the hour, you're generally going to find high enough quality work that you can't get to all of yourself that you can delegate to interns. And of course, you're going to need to pay them, uh, especially if you're building clients for uh, that lower level work that they're doing for you. So it really is on a case by case basis. But I think that approach, David, to taking that work inventory and as well as I recommend doing multiple interns, not just one, but at least two, because that way you get the multiplier. And you know, on the internship institute side, we've proven time and time again that an individual can gain, you know, a couple hundred days worth of productivity a year if they do it right. So let's talk about that, perhaps in the context of a consultant or coach who is building her or his business following years of employment in the corporate world. You know, if they've transitioned out of corporate and they're just getting started in their consulting or coaching business, or or maybe they're fairly early on, they have a few clients, what do you think can help them make that transition smoother help them ramp up their business faster, et cetera? Well, I think at the front end, you definitely need that, you know, get on solid footing, you know, before you explore getting into getting more help to the point you just had made previously. I think in in the question you're asking now, we're kind of over on the side of of the book and at the foundation of Wint, which is a, a concept called uh, earned confidence. And that anyone at any stage Uh, in their life recognizes, well, hey, you know, I've been through so much and I'm still standing. And the fact that knowing that you can take on and have taken on everything that you have, not to get caught up in the what ifs and the worries and all the natural stressors and just recognize that even though you're, you're still trying to find your way into the entrepreneurial world, you may not even have all the answers, but you'll figure it out. You know, that's what we've always done and that's what you'll do. So putting that earned confidence into action is really, I think, at the the foundation of what's going to help someone stay focused and, you know, know that they're on the right path. Okay. And then for those that are far enough along that it's wise to start thinking about delegating, where do you think they should start? I do think it comes right back to that work inventory. We have... Uh, you know, a wealth of resources along these lines with the Internship Institute uh, to help solopreneurs do that, uh, really just kind of menus and, and project guides and things. But it really has to boil down. If you strip it all down, 
it has to go to the work productivity. That is the common uh, denominator, the, the value proposition for uh, an individual student to get the best experience and the productivity of their talent uh, to benefit the uh, company and, and the individual entrepreneur. Mm -hmm. And what are some of the differences between hiring interns and hiring virtual staff from uh, perhaps all over the world? That's a great question. It really just, it just depends. I mean, I honestly don't have a lot of personal experience with VAs. So as I said before, knowing what you know and knowing what you don't know, I don't know that I have the perfect answer here. My sense is that it really kind of depends on the pro the type of work that you need and the type of support you need. Some of that's going to be directly aligned with VAs and what they you know do at the the foundation of the services that they provide. And if that's what's going to help someone give themselves the multiplier uh, in order around productivity, then that's maybe a sounder investment. When you're looking to interns, you're really looking about to trading your time to get more done and recognize that it's not, I don't have the time. It's that you don't not have the time <laughs> to, to, uh, to trade it in order to get more done. Mm -hmm. Matt, what are some examples of uh, ways you can use interns as a multiplier? Well, I think that it comes down to some of the core skills, things around research and writing uh, in particular, uh, planning. Some of them are a little bit better at getting on the phone. And then it could be any amount of different computer skills. That could be anything across the board of social media to design skills, marketing materials, things of that nature. It really just cuts across the board. You know, any, you know, everybody who goes to college is getting a different degree. So it really just see, it depends on how it aligns with those needs. But I think it's, it's important just to kind of take that leap and recognize that, yeah, you know, it's, it would take me this many hours to do something, but if I only spent two hours delegating it to someone else who may even be better at it than I am, social media just keeps coming back as a great example, then it's kind of a no-brainer. If I spend two hours and then I'm working with two interns, each of whom are able to dedicate, you know, 10 hours, then, you know, it's pretty straightforward. Mm. And when you describe interns, are you talking about undergraduate students graduate students, yes. high school students, what qualifies as an intern? Well, it really depends. I mean, traditionally, you're looking at college students often who are getting credits, although that's not always having to be the case, which are often required for their degree. But then on the nonprofit side, we've run grants for disadvantaged youth, for military in transition is, is you know, a huge opportunity. It really just depends on the employer. But for a startup solopreneur, I would recommend the college student specifically. What are some of the ways you've used interns in your business? Wow. Well, a lot of which is what I've just mentioned. You know, the interns that I'm relying on uh, in recent times are helping me with the website. One of them learned WordPress and then without knowing it, you know, MIS student and developed my current site and did a fantastic job in conjunction with another intern. And another one helps me with the uh, marketing and the you know production side of the podcast. They're going into the recordings and cleaning them up and you know doing what they do. And we've got a really nice system in place. How long do interns typically stay on? You know, it's interesting. I've found that it hasn't really been very typical with me. 
in the general sense, I'd say 12 to 14 weeks. I like to have the interns in the fall make sure that they stay through the winter and the ones who come in the spring stay through the summer. I think there's a lot more of a of a benefit to on both sides so that there's that longevity and they're, they're up to speed doing more. You know, one of the interns I have right now has been with me nearly a year. And, and I've had another intern who boomeranged, was with me for a term and then interned elsewhere, came back and interned again. So I think as long as you're keeping them challenged and you're relying on, uh, you know, them and, and the benefit to to you in terms of that multiplier, that makes it worthwhile for everyone. Yeah. So besides interns, what other kinds of challenges have you seen high achieving professionals go through when they're transitioning into their own business after a long corporate career? Well, I think it's easy to tunnel vision. I think it's easy to, uh, in doing that, not not reach out and and get enough support. I'm, you know, various circumstances here. You know, if you, if you have control of the situation, and this may seem very elementary, but you want to have the anchor account, right? It, it, you know, you don't want to, you know, go into a, a consulting from a, a corporate world, and and if you can help it, not have that that foundation. But anybody who is at that point in their career where they have any amount of subject matter expertise, again, David, back to the earned confidence, you know, it's going to take some figuring things out to how to match up what it is that they know and the services and value that they can uh, provide and, and, and what they bring to find someone who needs that and just know that it's there. And, you know, just a no quit attitude. Mm -hmm. Now, in your career, Matt, you have gotten involved in multiple kinds of activities. So it's not clearly not just one anchor client or even one one stream of revenue. How have you built multiple sources of revenue through different kinds of activities? That's a great question. And I do think that it's important to have, you know, plan B or how plan A turns into plan B. You know, my wife and I have a business together with a health and wellness company called Isogenics, which actually is our main source of revenue. We're, we're top 100 uh, worldwide. I and mean, she's a real rock star there. Of course, I'm very involved in it, but that's given, that's provided the time freedom that I've needed for number one, the nonprofit, which isn't, uh, you know, going to cover everything that you have in, in life in terms of your uh, financial demands as well as in the transition here with COVID to form my own publishing company and uh, self-publish the book and and now heading in the direction that I am to be a global influencer and positively impact as many people as possible uh, through the work I'm doing. Let's talk a little bit about that. How do you plan to impact the lives of at least 100 million people by 2025? Well, for one, I you know I'm already doing it and you know, part of it is the a factor of how do you count that. Uh, certainly, anyone listening here, David, we're going to count. We'll put them right on the right on the tally. Sounds good to me, Matt. Yeah, I appreciate <laughs> it. But the, it's exponential. I mean, look, I, I I don't have any misgivings about how many books you know someone can sell as much as Zisms is you know written for the masses. I originally wrote it as a one-off. I mean, I'm not a coach. I I didn't write it as a a business card kind of book, and you know it's there for that. And I have to continue to do things that are going to deliver more content. I'm working on the audiobook right now. I'm working on uh, a practical workbook that comes out of it and things that I can diversify that are going to draw people to it. The podcast is certainly getting you know, more and more uh, loyalty. 
uh, among listeners and I do a solo show and a guest show. But ultimately, I'm looking to get into speaking and uh, whether that's through social media, whether that's through uh, corporate paid speaking, as well as you know more doing more media. Now, if I continue on a trajectory and I can get onto television, that will certainly become uh, a multiplier to reach those masses. Mm-hmm. Matt, what's changed for you this year in conjunction with COVID-19? A lot. Uh, well, on the professional side, as I, I mentioned, you know, the book came out the same in late March, right? <laughs> Which is a, good so, timing. Yeah, great timing. It's good timing in the sense of what the book is and people really needing that right now you know, as far as an ongoing basis. It did sideline. I had planned to go back and, and do more, you know, focus again in the, you know, the past 15 years or so I've been doing with the internship work. And it's still there. I'm still doing trainings and things, but not at the level. And it really had me pivot in the direction I'm going now, as just described. You know, personally, it's really it's really just been its own pivot too. I mean, I think just like everybody, you know, different lifestyle. My my son, who's 20, you know, would otherwise be at college and making the best of things with him here. And you know, that's been a great experience overall that we wouldn't have otherwise at this point in his life. So, you know, I feel bad he's missing out to a certain degree, but, you know, we're gaining, uh, you know, on the other side of uh, of that equation. And my wife and, and second time around, we're together four years. My wife, Erica, and her daughter, Greta, you know, similar thing. She just started re- remote high school. So you know, we're all adjusting. So Matt, combining your your experience both as an employee and as an entrepreneur with um, what you've seen happen this year with uh, a major disruption in all aspects of people's lives and, and work, what are your thoughts about how we can best position ourselves to prepare for and get through disruptions? Well, I think it's easy to get caught up in any amount of detail you know, not everything is going to be going right for anybody at any given time. It's always something, right? So the the bottom line there is to step back and and you know, take something of a of a snapshot of the various things that are going on in your life. And number one is, well, are your basic needs met? And you know, is everyone around you healthy? You know, if if you've got that going for you right there, you got a roof over your head then generally speaking, the rest just comes down to it being life. And and I'm not looking to minimize it, but the rest is secondary. It's circumstantial. And then at that point, it's really about the taking the the optimistic view based on that earned confidence, knowing that you'll push through whatever those challenges are now, just as you've made it through every other challenge in the past. And that optimism and pessimism apply to the same set of circumstances. So looking to this time in life, if you were to look back, you know, how did you turn whatever adversity into an advantage and, you know, find, you know, that that vantage point and then follow through on it that's going to be something you can reflect on and feel good about. Yeah, well said. Matt, if someone wants to go deeper with what you shared today, learn more or access any special resources that you think are relevant to this topic, where would be the best place for them to go? Great. Thank you, David. Well, one where the Zisms and Insights to Live By uh, podcast and, and, and book are concerned, that's mattzinman.com. And there is a free resource there called the Self-Care Report Card that's out of the book 
Uh, that's kind of an accountability tool for anyone staying on track with, uh, you know, with their health maintenance. And then for the internship work that we talked about, the nonprofit is internshipinstitute.org. And anyone who's considering starting an internship program or structuring one that they have, doing it virtually, uh, I'm happy to help there as well. Great. And we'll put all these in the show notes. Matt, I want to thank you so much for taking the time to join us today on Smashing the Plateau and share your insights. My guest today has been the president of ZU Publishing, Matt Zinman. Thank you again, Matt, for joining us. It's my pleasure. Thanks so much, David. When you visit the Smashing the Plateau website at smashingtheplateau.com, you'll find a summary of each episode along with the links we mentioned on the show. Today, we learned how to navigate transitions and multiply your impact when pursuing new opportunities and much more. Remember to subscribe on whatever platform you listen on and leave a review if you can. Thank you for taking the time to listen to our show. I'll see you on our next episode.